Hello, Kevin. Awesome. You guys are nerds. Damn right. Oh, Kevin, you're so witty. I would stab someone in the face. Oh, that's gross. I'm cutting this, by the way. Bad Philosophy, episode 140, recorded on July 27th, 2013. Let's make mayonnaise. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, Bad Philosophy, episode 140. We are here, and we're going to be talking about uh, pairs, dichotomies, schlepping, and sexy work, and the grand narratives of the punks and the hippies of the world. So uh, off to get started, we're just going to jump right into a pre-existing discussion between me, your host, Stephen Torrance, and my good friend, Kevin Saunders. Here we go. Yay. Hi there. Are we recording? Mm-hmm. Okay, because this might be interesting enough. Okay. Um, Grant Morrison, who is a comic book writer and is a really interesting fellow. Mm-hmm. Like he has, Grant Morrison wrote the best Superman comic of all time um, called The All-Star Superman. Um, and it's fantastic. Like if you want to see what a Superman comic is, like this is the closest thing to a platonic ideal of the Superman comic. Wow. Okay. But he also wrote this series called The Invisibles. Um, and the guy's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but The Invisibles is about, the, the, the log line of it, so to speak, is take every conspiracy theory ever. Mm-hmm. They're all true. Mm-hmm. Um, you told me about this one. Yeah. And it's a, yeah. it's, it's, I've only read the first dozen or so issues in the series, so I haven't finished the whole thing. But like in The Invisibles, there's a character called King Mob who is based on Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. And while he was writing The Invisibles, King Mob became ill over the course of the arc. And so did Grant Morrison. Um, like, not just like, like physically, like, he had some like, terrible health issues and things like that. And so he wrote King Mob better, and he got better. Hmm. Um, which, make of it what you will, is a really cool story. Yeah. Like, but this is, the, this is the world Grant Morrison exists. Grant Morrison exists in a world where the fictional is real in a very real sense. Huh. Um, not in, yeah, it's there, but like, um, he also did an amazing run. I'll lend you sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, Animal Man. Um, there's a lot of stuff in Animal Man, and it, it crescendos kind of quickly. So like the first book, you're going, what, what am I, why am I reading this? Why is mm-hmm. it so like well-acclaimed? It's like, it's not bad, but it's not amazing. Okay. And then like you hit the end, and it's like, whoa! Um, yeah. Uh, he's also responsible for the most recent run, uh, series Batman Incorporated, hmm. um, where there were Batmans all across the world, oh. headed by Wayne Industries. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's he's done a ton of stuff, both in like mainstream and kind of like offshoot comics. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the point I was trying to get to is uh, we're talking ebb and flow of you know Style. styles and yeah. things like that, and sorry, I thought there was a dog outside because there is. Hi, dog. There are two dogs outside. Hi, other dog. Mm-hmm. Um, he has this idea, and I haven't. I, I listened to the audiobook of it, and so I didn't get. I didn't study it the same way I do other things. Mm-hmm. He's got a book called Super Gods, which A is a great book about the history of comics. Okay, but in B, in it, he illustrates his grand unified theory of culture, um, which is limited. Is limited. I'll put As it to you this any way. Grand unified theory. Yes. Must eventually be. Yes. yes. It is it has its limits. Oh. 
Um, but he makes a kind of compelling case, and and it's based on phases of the sun. Huh. In that, in his every eleven years, the sun switches phases. Yeah. And again, I don't know the science, how accurate the science of this is, but I just explained to you that Grant Morrison made himself better by writing a comic book. So go with it. Yeah. Um, but what it is is culture swings between two extremes of what he calls the punk and the hippie. Um, and he uses those because they're easily identifiable. Yeah. But so, and, it, and it's not, and it's 11 years, so it doesn't quite match up the decades, but he, he talks about it in really interesting ways. And so you have um, the 50s with early rock and roll. Um, and then you have the 60s, which with the hippies. Yeah. You then have that followed by, you know, kind of leading into the 70s. Then you have the punks. Yeah. And there was, there was one, like it's, in the, in the more recent contemporary, he explains it better than I do. Um, but then they have like the, the and it's, it's, because it's defined by hairstyles, like it's actually easier to track. Like as hair gets longer, you're getting more into the hippie swing of things. And hippie is very nature-focused, very earthen, um, and punk is much more technological. Like the big, you know, brutal violence of the 90s comics yeah. is, you punk. Know, is punk. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, the, move, the green movement is hippie. Um, and so we're kind of coming out of that phase. And, and anyway, what's really cool to me uh -huh. is he says, once I discovered this, I started basing my life on it. And so I dramatically change my style, and not my, just my physical appearance, but like my artistic style and what I'm doing as these changes happen. And I've been incredibly successful because of it. Um, so you think we're we're like shifting back into a, a punk phase? I think I think we're <laughs> a I think we're, in a, we're in a transitional. We're, we're, hitting, we're hitting the actual. I don't think I don't think we're times? I don't think we're actually hitting cyberpunk. <laughs> okay, but I I think I think we have. I don't. And again, he has actual years. Like he mm -hmm. he pins it two years, and I think we are either getting close to or just peaking in a hippie phase. I would argue we're peaking. I, I yeah. would say. I think we're if peaking. If we're going again, with the analogy, we're peaking right now. Um, of just in terms of, uh, and again, he would he would you know say this is the years where they happen. Yeah. Um, the, that the things phase in and out, but the Tesla. I mean, it's like yeah. The no, I, mean, of I, I think I think we are. I think we are peaking in another, or we're we're right around the peak, either mm -hmm. just hitting or just coming off of the peak of a hippie phase, and we'll mm -hmm. be moving towards a punk phase. I mean, I should probably cut my hair. Um, you should and yeah. you know, go with a mohawk. I'm not going to go with Something, a mohawk. I'm yeah. not going to go with a mohawk. But um, that sort of thing. And, and it's interesting. And again, I was listening to the audiobook, so I wasn't studying it in the same way that I study things that I read with my eyes. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of letting it wash over you. Yeah, a little bit more so. Because you can't, you can't go back and reread things. And I mean, you can you know, rewind and scrub and things right. like that. But it's, it's more difficult to find your exact spot. Um, but it was kind of a compelling argument, and I kind of went over re-listen to it at some point. Um, I, I mean, I like it. I, I just yeah. in, in your like 1990 was the Matrix, or 99 was the Matrix, and yeah. that was a peak of a punk cycle. Really, um, was the Matrix, and he's not talking about necessarily that it's it's not everybody does this or everybody is one thing or the other, but that you have these trends in culture that swing back and forth. And I think often parallel, you know, that, that you have you have. Yeah, I mean trend trends and cycles in mm -hmm. in music also mm -hmm. happening in you know there's there's maybe like harmonics right there there are mm -hmm. there are carrier waves on the 
the the um, overall oscillations of yeah, the culture. Yeah, you know, the, the, um, and and we see that, and you know, we see bell bottoms come back into style sometimes, right? And, and these sorts of things. Daft Punk and, is trying to bring disco back. Yes, I, I mean, mean, no, but they very much are, and they yeah. they made <laughs> a, a, a you know platinum selling disco album, which. Is just in 2013. Stra- in 2013, <laughs> it's just strange to me. I mean, to be fair, anything um, they make is going to sell a ton of stuff. But right. the fact that they chose to make an album that is so heavily influenced by disco and that people still like Get Lucky, which yeah, I don't know. I kind of like Get Lucky, like I do. It's catchy, like all disco music. Oh yeah, when it's when you first get into it. Uh-huh. And I mean, I had a disco phase. I, I did a you know. I did I was not have a disco phase. A disco phase. It was like in the. 2004-ish, huh. yeah. I mean, I got super oh, into, glasses. super into disco, glasses, and you know, best of disco, and oh you know, wow, secretary of the treasure. I have, you know. I have never been into disco. I, but it, I have been aware just, of disco. I got tired of it the same, and I thank God my phase only lasted three months. You know, it lasted <laughs> all of the 70s for for everybody else, and yeah, you know, there had to be a big disco album mm-hmm. burning thing and all that. But yeah, it, it's so. I think he, he may be onto something there. Yeah, you know? actually, I'm, I'm trying to backtrack it because it's 11 year cycle. So it was 99 was the peak of the of. I uh, say I'm trying to remember what where because where it hit because it because again it was a really compelling argument. Yeah. Because you talk about 99 and Matrix being the last punk cycle, and so that, then, since of, then of the the last of the cycle that started in the 80s. Well, I I think that's what it was or something like that. But it was it was an epitome of yeah. Because the, um, the '90s in general, now that I think of it, was you know very. It was like let's try a bunch of new crap, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and but, but it, it was very, it, like in the '80s, it was let's try a bunch of new crap in the, in the small scale, like in the punk spheres, and then mm-hmm. it became sort of co-opted into yeah. you know the technology revolution, and you had all these things. And, and of course, the terms punk and hippie are not. It's not great. Not the great. And he acknowledges that, and that's what he, he's like. For a shorthand, this is sort of what I refer to them as. Yeah. And he describes them a lot better. And I couldn't remember what he, how he described them. Oh, it stuck with my mind was punk and hippie because those yeah. are identifiable now it's, moments. It's like the you know fox and hedgehogs sticking with me, and you know I don't know. Yeah. Dichotomies are nice. Yeah. You know, they, they make uh, things. They are, and they they're problematic. But problematic. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm. Curious to see because I don't I don't know what Grant Morrison's been doing. He's been doing Batman Incorporated is really what yeah. he's been doing last, and uh, that just wrapped up. That's about to end. Okay. Um, so I'll be curious to see where he's going because because if if ninety nine was a peak, twenty ten was a peak, and so we're now coming off and we're starting to transition into the next phase. Yeah. Um. According to his phases of the sun theory, which. I mean, yeah, if it is an every 11 years thing, mm-hmm. you know, so, some trends I'm starting to see are like, all of a sudden, everything is getting really complicated. You know, we have this, the conception of big data and, you know, holy crap, there's just so much out here to process, you know, all mm-hmm. this video that's being uploaded to YouTube, all these, oh, this, God. Yeah. you know, the multiplicity of Android devices. Every phone mul- call you've ever made has been recorded. Right, <laughs> you know, the, the multiplicity of you know, complication that's out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, it was a problem in the information age initially of like, oh my God, all these websites. And then a Google came along. Yeah. And it was like, all of a sudden, it's as simple as this little white box that you type text into. And, you know, throw out all the indexes and the Ask Jeeves and everything else. This is I where you ask go. Jeeves. Yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of um, dichotomies, yeah. let's talk about the other one that we're, Sort of actually here to discuss, kind of. Yeah. Maybe not. Really. Um, um, 
I should give a little bit of background. I now work for a company that is, if you've ever heard of a company called Best Made out of uh, New York or a company called Shinola out of Detroit. They make uh, shoe polish. They did, and then they didn't, and then the brand languished, and then some new people bought the brand, and now they make other things. So you're telling me they don't make <laughs> shoe polish anymore? They don't make shoe polish anymore. Well, then what am I going to distinguish shit from? From very well-made watches and bicycles and See, the thing is that, that analogy does not work anymore. <laughs> um, it does in a more abstract sense, I suppose. No, but the point is Shinola is a dark, messy substance. Exactly. And you have to be able to tell it from, <laughs> come on, man, work with me. I know, I know. Um, and, it, and they weren't able to single-handedly stop the bankruptcy of their fair city, um, as, as nice as they are. And uh, as a result of working for this company that, you know, studying many, many, many uh, artisan products and handcrafted products and uh, all of this, my iPad is muted and yet it is still making sounds. What the hell? Yeah, that slider doesn't do anything. It doesn't. Um, like, I've, well, I've, I've, ah. I learned this once that the little mute slider that's supposed to turn off all the sound uh -huh. doesn't count for alarms. Oh, but I'm getting like notification stuff. Anyways, um, which is a, a design problem because mm -hmm. there was a guy whose phone went off in the middle of an orchestra that he had on mm. silent. Yes, he had pulled a little slider, mm -hmm. and but he had an alarm set and it went off. And micro like, interactions. It was really a problem. It was. Um, anyways, so as a result of working for all these these uh, or studying all of these companies. I've, I've come to get a very good sense of this thing that is happening, this maker-slash-artisan movement. And, and I, I really I want to distinguish. There's, yeah, there's a that's bit of an crossover. important distinction. So a maker, as it's understood within the Mark people... Mark Frauenfelder is a maker. Right. Um, yeah. Hardware designers that are doing rapid prototyping with 3D printers. I wouldn't even call it rapid prototyping. I would call that. it, they are people who make things for their own use. Okay. And only for their own use. Primarily for their own use. Like, okay. a, like I mean, Mark Fraunfelder makes, he's, he's a blogger on Boing Boing, for those yeah. of you who don't know who he is. He's one of, he's become my stealth favorite Boing Boing blogger. Um, just over the years. I mean, like, he always just posts things that I'm really like, yeah, I'm down with. Mm -hmm. But like, he makes cigar box guitars. Okay. Because he can. Because he wants to. He, make a, he made a book about it. Mm -hmm. um, but it started out with him taking a cigar box and saying, hey, I can make a guitar out of this. Right. And then stuff. doing that. And either selling it on Etsy or selling it on their I own mean, the, site. The, or... there's, a, there's a lot less commercialiness in making than there is in artisanal anything. Okay. So the, the distinction maybe is Etsy. So when, you to, when you get into the artisanal world, you're starting to work with... People who are, you know, maybe making jewelry out of odd things, Legos, yeah. um, you know, found leather, you know, uh, reclaimed wood, these sorts of things. They're mm -hmm. they're putting stuff back together, remixing it, and putting it putting it out in the world on you know sites like Etsy or eBay or you know their own storefronts through Shopify or Big Commerce. Then you get these sort of artisanal brands that are pushing their own uh, works as better for the environment, as returning to some sort of a, a classical um, uh, craft, mm -hmm. craftsman uh, movement, right? The, 
the archetypical craftsman is this, you know, I, I think of the guy in the, the, the shop with sort of sawdust hanging in the air and, you know, the sunlight coming through and beams through the window and him sort of, you know, crouched over a, a desk with his, his little chisel and, and kind of, yeah. you know, carving out these, these intricate patterns either into wood or into, you know, whatever. That, that sort of, you know, browns and, and grays and, uh, you know, you, work You think desk of the, and, the guy yeah. in the uh, famous... Mm -hmm. um, in the, the the famous myth about you know the shoemaker and the elves, yeah, like that shoemaker was an artisan, and they, like, he makes his own shoes. Yeah, they they make they make stuff for themselves, but they sell it to a small number of people yeah. who you know their town right. This the town cobbler right, mm -hmm. dedicates his life to eight, nine, ten hours a day making shoes for the townspeople and repairing them, and, and you know that is the person you go to for yeah. all of this. They've been doing it for their whole lives, and and therefore they are. Um, to be respected and to be to be uh, <laughs> you know to be valued and yeah. uh, you know for their craft yeah but and, and this sort of this sort of romantic ideal mm -hmm. right you know this this person is now idolized by a new group of of young um, aspirational craftsmen and I, I can give an exact example of well, this before you do I, I think it's important to point out that we didn't call like we called them artisans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the shoemaker and the the haberdasher. Yeah, but that's not how we're using the term today, right? Because the, of this sort of recontextualization, the the terms are being co-opted. I mean, mm -hmm. you get things like modern haberdasher, uh -huh. right? That's uh, um, Kent Wong, I think, is is his name. Um, is is these these people who are uh, they're combining the those those terms and the affectations of artisanal, you know, crafted works mm -hmm. from the past and combining them with, you know, really nice photographs and well-constructed websites and social media mm -hmm. campaigns and, you know, these... And, and I would argue larger scale production, mm. not large scale production, like not mass production, but they're not selling two pairs of shoes a week. Right. They're selling 20 pairs of shoes a week. Mm -hmm. Which is more unusual, and and for very high prices. Uh huh. Um, for anyone who wants to look up a really good example of this, there's a guy in town um, goes goes by the name uh, Joshua, I think, and his his uh, shop is Helm Boots. You can you find them. The photographs are beautiful. You know you've hit the right website when you see a, a nice leather shoe on the the homepage. I just bought new shoes. He has um he has a shop here in, in town in Austin and mm -hmm. he actually himself does not make the shoes I believe he makes some things in the store but they're made in Maine and they're they're brought here he's sort of he's designed a curator in yeah designed in Austin that's like designed in Cupertino exactly designed by Joshua in Austin and made elsewhere made in Maine I think and brought here it's he has a store full of made in the USA stuff and mm -hmm. it's a great it's a wonderful spectrum of this type of thing. Where you know you'll pay forty dollars for a bar of soap, or you'll pay. Four, I will not. You'll pay four hundred if you want to buy it from there. Four hundred dollars for a pair of shoes. I will not. Or uh, yeah, handcrafted in Maine. Right, um, these sorts of things, and 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 they are they are items that are questionably quote better than the equivalents that you would buy through. I don't know, Dove or, you know, or Nike hush puppies. or Hush Puppies, you know, these things that are mass produced in factories somewhere in the world, I don't know. And 
what these artisans will do is, okay, say, all right, because these are made in the U.S., because they're made with X, Y, and Z materials, because they're made by real people who you can read yes, which, stories about, right? Which implies that the people who make those and the ones <laughs> in the factories are not real people. Are not real people. Which is a problem. Or made by, they're made by fewer $400 people. $400 shoes. $400 for a pair of shoes. Which, at no point in, in history has $400, what, what is the equivalent of $400 now? been a reasonable amount for the common man to buy a pair of shoes for. Yes. You know, regardless of whether these shoes are going to last you longer or whatever, I'm sorry, they're not going to last me a hundred times long, you know. I'm well, not... to be fair, okay, if they lasted me four times as long as an average pair of shoes, uh -huh. that'd be fair. I pay about a hundred bucks a pair. You do? To be fair, I have gigantic feet. Okay. Um, and I wear through shoes fairly quickly. I, I buy about a pair of shoes a year. Okay. Because um, I go through them at a fairly steady clip. Mm -hmm. um, so if these, sh if if a four hundred dollar pair of shoes could guaranteed be lasting four years from now, mm -hmm. I would consider it. Okay. Um, I don't think that will happen. Then maybe these are for you. And and there's certainly a group. I don't. Of people... I don't think they are for me. Yeah. And <laughs> and we're getting we're getting on the subject. People mm -hmm. may wonder why we're we're talking about this, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, so someone uh, his name we think is uh, Venkatesh Rao goes by Venkat from uh, an article on the website, Ribbon Farm, has written a, a rather compelling article kind of questioning this, this assumption that, that a lot of us seem to have that, okay, these made in the USA, these crafted goods, these artisanal goods are better or good or in some, in some larger sense beneficial. And his article is called, You Are Not an Artisan. <laughs> I highly recommend everyone I, things, I read agree it. with that sentence. I think I disagree with his conclusion, as okay. I understand it. So we'll everyone, there, everyone yeah. obviously should read the article. So we're, we're going to kind of assume that you have a working knowledge of the article now. I mean, we can talk a little bit. A little summarize bit. it very briefly. Yeah. And um, he kind of, he structures this whole idea that throughout time, I mean, going back Forever. however far you want, there are essentially two kinds of work. There's sexy work and what he calls schlep work. Sexy work is work that um, builds your social stature. It's like social capital. You are valuable for being in a particular job that is sexy to your friends. You know, when you say, I'm a blank, you say it with pride, right? There's, there's something about it that you, you can project out into the world and you, you people go, ooh, ah, yeah, you know, I'm a director. You know, these, yeah. so we, we know, and the, these roles change throughout mm -hmm. time, right? And I'm the king of France. I am the king of France. Right. It's, it's like, good to be ooh. the king. Yeah. Then the, on the other side of it, there's schlep work. Mm -hmm. The carpenters of the world. The Honestly, I think the plumbers. The plumbers, the plumbers of, the world. of the world. Yeah. The, the guys who are, you know, the chimney sweeps is yeah. the example he gives. The chimney sweep and the bard are the, the two opposites there, right? The bard is very unstable work. You know, he either really makes it. You know, you're so good that you get picked up by the king, or mm -hmm. you just kind of dance in the street and nobody really pays you and you yeah. suffer and die. And, you know, the starving artist, right? Uh -huh. um, then you have the plumber who, you know, nobody's going to be like, oh, you're a plumber. That's, wow, that's a really cool job or that's a sexy job. It's like, no, you, you fix pipes. You plumb. You plumb. You know, you're going down there in the depths of the dirty sink that nobody cares enough to, to keep up, you know, or underneath the house yeah. with the spiders. And, you know, you're doing this dirty, hard work. 
charging hourly and doing pretty much the same thing every day for, for a long time. And while not sexy, this work tends to pay more consistently um, mm-hmm. than the average sexy worker and uh, and provide much more stability. You know, people always, as they always say, you know, the, the world will always need dentists. The world will always need plumbers. The world will always need electricians. Yeah. You know, they, these sorts of, this sort of baseline work um, will always be there, and they'll be their necessary jobs. Mm-hmm. Then nowadays we're we're starting to take what previously were these uh, these schlep type jobs. Uh, being a cobbler, I mean, that was like being the town plumber. You yeah, know, you made shoes for people. That was what you did. And then all of a sudden, Nike came along. Yeah, <laughs> not all of a sudden, maybe, but gradually Nike came along. Uh-huh. The the town cobbler was no longer necessary. You couldn't compete with the the prices, the economies of scale that are made possible by global globalization and industrialization. Sure. And so we've it's seen the disappearance of these of these traditional schlep jobs, and there's sort of a in the same way that that uh, you know the uh, horn rim glasses or that that certain it, we have a nostalgia for them almost. Yeah. To be fair, I do I do wear something that looks like horn rim glasses. You do. You do. Um, I don't have horns on. What am them. I trying to think of? You know, bell bottoms or uh, mm-hmm. you know burgers of a certain kind or you know the, all these things that we sort of associate with the the ideal past you know, yeah like boat cars yeah. or because we know, know idealizing the past is not a, never a bad thing right, right. <laughs> we've started to do that with these jobs now and so mm-hmm. in the same way that we're, we're in this era of you know hipsterism and nostalgia for you know the affectations of previous generations sure we're now also adopting the affectations of the work of previous generations. Yes. And an idealization of, you know, the bartender, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, um, the, you know, the craft brewery. Yeah. Or the um, artisanal shoemaker. You know, they, these sorts of things are, are coming back, but in a, in a weird, I would almost say bastardization of them. And, and Venkat in his article calls yeah. this conspicuous production. Yeah. Which I love. I mean, <laughs> it was like my favorite. <laughs> well, it goes along with conspicuous consumption, which is everywhere. So tell, so Kevin, what is conspicuous consumption? Like conspicuous consumption is buying things so people know you buy things. Conspicuous consumptioners are the person who loses their iPhone every three months, mm-hmm. and so they go out and buy a new one. And that's not even conspicuous. More conspicuous is the person who buys the new iPhone the day it comes out, having had their last one for less than a year, mm-hmm. and having the latest and greatest, and always having to be buying something new. Um, we think about you know, keeping up with the Joneses in a different sense more in the past, but it's, you know, it's your neighbor who, who's always buying a boat or an RV or doing a renovation on his house, mm-hmm. not because those are good things to do, but because they want you to know that they can. Nowadays, it's it's reached an epitome, and I, I just found out these were a thing of um, these sorts of show and tell videos that that women oh, will do haul the, videos. Haul videos. I made one. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if I ever posted it. I made a haul video once, though. What, um, what, what is it involved in? In a good a haul? haul video? It's H A U L. By the way, we should yeah. preface, preface by not saying not like that kids in the hall, but like like. Look at this sweet hall. Yeah. That doesn't work when you don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Nobody really I went goes. shopping and I got a whole haul of yeah. awesome halal. Like let goods. me let me haul um, let me haul this somewhere. Yeah. Let I'm me haul this yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but haul oh I love haul videos. Like I don't watch them 
very much at all because they're all terrible. But, but I this love is like them. The, the peak of the idea, right? Is, yeah. Look at all these things I bought. Look at all these things I bought. It's, it is. It is. I went on a shopping spree. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of stuff now, and I'm going to make a video showing it to you and talking about these things I bought. Yeah. Um, and it's it's primarily um, young affluent women doing these yeah um which is kind of why i wanted to make one because i found it i i think i made one i have to see you, if i if you I posted post-structuralist it. you i think i posted one <laughs> disrupting i meant to if i never actually made it because I, when i was in Asheville, this must have been two years ago now mm-hmm. um they had a blockbuster that was closing down and so i went and bought a whole bunch of dvds like uh. way more than i needed to um Although some good ones in there. I got um, You're Welcome, America. Okay. Which is, um, what was it? Um, it's not John Hodgman or... Um, no. Um, oh, who's... Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. It's an, e, it's an hour and a half of Will Ferrell doing a farewell tour as George Bush. Oh. So like right okay. after he got out of office, like that's sort of the... Gotcha. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's at. I don't know if I actually made it. Uh, that's not it. That's not it. Uh, no, it doesn't look like it's on here. Um, I have I have a different YouTube channel though. Let's see if it's on the other one. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the, that idea of like this is this is conspicuous consumption at its peak. Yes. Is, is like and, and it there's the social performance associated with going to the mall. What used to be going to the mall now it's more on social media. But mm-hmm. that whole idea of let me spend a lot of money and show you that I can spend a lot of money. Nowadays, the equivalent of that is you go to any. I did. I made a haul video back when I was doing the KRS Ed videos. Ah, okay. Um, so that's what that was a that long was a time while. ago. Yeah. That was the first time I went to Asheville. That was three years ago now. Huh. Um, yeah, but here's a picture of me holding up Best in Show, the DVD. Woo! Um, <laughs> you, you rich man, you. Yeah, that I got for like four dollars. <laughs> so, so on the flip side, then the conspicuous yeah. production equivalent of that would be you, you see on any of these any of the the quote unquote best of mm-hmm. the, these art, artisans' websites, you go there and, and usually it's front and center. There's a Vimeo video. Very important that it's a Vimeo, not YouTube, not YouTube video. Because YouTube is for the masses, right? Vimeo is where the real artists put yeah. their videos. It's a Vimeo video of the makers in their uh, workshop or whatever with, you know, nice, usually shot with a 5D Mark II. There's, you know, the, the nice uh, pull focus type stuff. And, you know, you're seeing, again, like the, the, the dust particles with the sunbeams and you're seeing them. You're seeing, you're seeing the seeing idealized their... version of what the guy who yeah. makes things in you're his seeing, backyard You're seeing does. basically yeah. um, create... Uh, um, what is it? Maker porn or like artisan porn? Yeah, you know, yeah. tool porn. You're seeing you're seeing them. Their hands usually. Mm-hmm. You're seeing them like you'll see whatever their product is like in some sort of a scenario. You see yeah. very few faces. You know, it's this. It's this. It's all about the stuff. They're all. They're going on like they're in a, a Land Rover. You know, yeah. with their with their whatever, and they're they're going like through a river or something. They're showing <laughs> you like the ideal scenario of like this is the yeah. lifestyle you should want. With, with the stuff our that, product, with our product, and it, they're very good. I mean, they're they're as good as any any corporate um, advertising. Yeah, because they got a lot of f- filmmaker friends, right? Or who they aren't or they are filmmakers on the side, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, right. These are the these are the the Renaissance men, right? Yes. And, and you look at their a lot of their stories are similar. It's it's that you know I was looking around and all these things that I wanted were too expensive, and I asked myself, could I do this? And so I bought some leather and a few tools, and I started making leather bags myself. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing this for you know two, three years, yeah. right there. And the bags are the bags are good. I mm-hmm. mean, they're 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 okay. 
I guess, you know, and yeah. I look at them and, I, and, and it's a hard thing to judge, right? Uh -huh. It's like there are leather bags out there. And I, I kind of take your word for it, you know, speaking to the, the proverbial artisan. Yeah. Um, I take your word for it that your thing is better, but you've only existed for two years. Yeah. And these How products, do I know this lasts for 10? <laughs> right. These products are things that, that need to yeah. last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And I, I don't know about that. So, so they're, they're ostensibly they're mm -hmm. saying these are better because they're better for the environment, you're supporting local businesses or whatever, but the prices on them are usually either A, very slightly less than what you'd pay for like the most premium version of that yeah. somewhere, or they're way more than you'd pay for the average thing mm -hmm. out there, and usually both. Yeah. Um, and so, but they're, they're definitely mm -hmm. more than a, than a normal person, quote unquote, would uh -huh. pay for, for you know, a bag yeah. um, that is good enough. Yeah, that it, get, it gets your stuff on your back, taking mm -hmm. you with it. Take, so this is yeah. sexy work, right? They're making this, oh, this yeah. stuff sexy. It's, it definitely falls under the idea of sexy when, when traditionally the, the tradesman is not a mm -hmm. sexy position. They're making it sexy. What's worse is, and, and this is Vincott's kind of one of his bottom lines, yeah. this is not economy positive work. This is not adding value to the economy. It's not finding a, um, an area where there is demand, where there is unmet demand for something. It is creating additional products within a space that is perfectly fulfilled and charging more. And, and, and for status. For status. And for all these other, you know, feel good about the environment, uh -huh. feel good about supporting a quote local I mean, you, economy. you slap a fair trade label on something and people will pay more for it. Exactly. And, that's not, and that's not to say I'm, I'm against fair trade. I'm, I'm not against localism. Mm -hmm. um, but how do you know it was fair trade? How yeah. do you know that the leather was sourced from three blocks away unless you go check on it? And, and I guess what, what I don't disagree with is, is I, you know, these people are making good things. They could very well be making very good products. Yes. But they're making very good products in a for realm, a very rich market. For a rich market and in a in a market where there are already good products. Yes. Right? There's there's not this is not work that that no nobody wants to do. It's mm -hmm. work that they are privileged to choose to do. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, are, yeah, they're, they're definitely to be able to go into that is is certainly a privilege. Mhm. Mm and to take those risks and have now, that backing funding. Kevin, you, you disagree with part of Venkat's I do, I do, and see, and the things we've been talking about here, I'm kind of on the same page. Okay. Of, of, I'm, well, I, let's find something we disagree I on. shudder <laughs> at, the, at the, the idea of this artisanal renaissance. Yeah. Which is, there's artisanal mayonnaise. You can buy artisanal mayonnaise. Mayonnaise what is eggs and oil mixed together. You can make it yourself in a kitchen with some eggs and some oil. <laughs> Like, that's all it is. I don't even like mayonnaise, but, like, I know that it's easy to make. Mm -hmm. But there's artisanal mayonnaise. And, and honestly, I suspect homemade mayonnaise tastes way better than the stuff you buy at the store. That would not surprise me at all. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't eat mayonnaise. Let's make some mayonnaise. I, I mean, honestly, I would be willing to try it. Like we, should we make Bad Philosophy brand mayonnaise? We should, we should make some mayonnaise just tonight just to see if we can. Okay. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll pull up a... There's a Good Eats mayonnaise recipe. Good, I'll yeah. pull that up while we're talking. All right. Um, we'll make some mayonnaise, and maybe we can record it. Okay, um, but, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, we can, we so I agree with you on that, and I agree with, with a lot of the stuff that's being said in this article. Uh -huh. um, the thing that is ignored for the sake of the dichotomy, mm -hmm. um, I feel is ignored, is the, the flip side of conspicuous consumption is... The fact that someone has to sell you all that stuff. 
Right. Um, and something that is ignored is that's, that... That's okay. Okay. Um, the thing that is ignored is the people selling it, the salespeople. Yeah. Which I think if he were to pick a place, he would say, oh, that schlep work. I disagree. It's certainly not sexy work. No. Um, in the sense that you go, yeah, I'm a salesperson. Right. Like somebody go, yeah, I'm an artisan, or yeah, I'm a movie producer. Um, but it's not schlep work in the, in the sense of providing value the way a plumber does. Mm-hmm. Um, or anybody on any episode of Micro's Dirty Jobs. Oh, yeah. Um, to be fair, there's a few that I've gone, that's, that's, that's not, not a really dirty, dirty job. Yeah. <laughs> you milk goats and turn it into to soap. <laughs> yeah. Um, Artisan soap, right? Goat soap? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, he, he does his best. because like, okay, you own the goats, you've got to take care of them, that's dirty. Anyway, um, and that is retail. The retail position, A, is the most common job in America mm-hmm. right now. Um, and I th- we've mentioned the idea of late-stage consumer capitalism on this show Many before. Um, we talked about it right after you got into Marx. Yes. Um, which was fun. Yeah. And that's, you know, and conspicuous consumption is a big part of late-stage consumer capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's not about value, it's about creation it's and, and it's weird, about like, buying perverse things. perverse extreme, right? Oh, you know, certainly, it's, yeah. It's the, 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 um, an emergent property that can only happen in a, in a market that's gone down. Yes. All the way down <laughs> a certain path, you know? <laughs> Where the, the performance of wealth becomes more important than the actual, yes. you know, creation of value, so. right? Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, this dichotomy he creates of sexy and schlep mm-hmm. is ignoring the largest workforce in America mm-hmm. and the largest job we have, at least in this country. I mean, it's not necessarily the same everywhere <gasps> and that it only exists in this particular place we live. Oh, I'm sorry. Something just dawned on me. Okay, go for it. That in a way... Conspicuous production is, <laughs> it enables a more extreme form of conspicuous consumption. Yes. I'm sorry that's news to you. Yes. That's, sorry. I, I no, thought that was obvious. I just, so. I, just thought of, I just thought of it in that way. It's like, yes. you know, you're, you're, you're almost, it's like meta-conspicuous consumption. Yes. It's like, is, sorry, your conspicuous consumption of these corporate products isn't conspicuously awesome enough yes. that I need to buy from these even more... I need to buy from conspicuous producers yeah. and then show you that I bought from the better things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like it's like the evolution of the same the same consequence. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that was yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if that, I just had the I just had the aha yeah, moment. Yeah. But that's that's yeah. the whole point. Okay, um, fine. And it fits yeah. within this place yeah. in capitalism where we are. Okay. Um, and the fact that he ignores this this position in creating this dichotomy really, I think, does a disservice to his argument. Hmm. Um, because, and I think, I can't say that he ignores it for this reason, but I think by ignoring it, it allows him to create this sexy schlep dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Where, where schlep becomes sexy in a way. It's like he's almost trying to say, go back to the schlep work, because he, there's, that's where the real value is. You know, yeah. sort of a, a schlep sexy. It's like a, I don't know, like an ascetic As uh, opposed vir- to the virtue. fake sexy schlep which is the art- artisan. Right. Because um, they're not creating value, mm-hmm. um, use value, whatever that is. But the whole idea behind schlep work is it just, it isn't sexy. Like you mm-hmm. really, you are, you are sustaining society. Yeah, you are, you are doing the jobs that keep the world running. <laughs> right. 
um, as opposed to the <laughs> jobs that we like to have and make you look good. I'm sorry, the, the image from Metropolis comes to mind because I just recently saw it. But uh -huh. you know, the, the guys beneath the city twisting the handles on the, you know, the giant devices. Sure, sure. The ones running the... everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, there's, there's a great um, Heinlein short story called The Roads Must Roll. Hmm. about the, the, in, this, in the world there are the, instead of highways that everybody drives across to get everywhere in the world, the roads themselves move. And so there's things on the roads, like buildings and things like that. And so you can, there's like a neighborhood that exists on the road that travels from New York to San Francisco. Huh. Um, and the roads must roll the story is about the workers who man those roads and make sure oh. they keep working. Um, and their their attempts to potentially unionize, and I won't I won't go too much into it, but that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. Um, it's a good short story. Mm -hmm. Look it up; you can find but, it. But even I mean, even after unionization, yeah. or even after the you know, yeah. these uprisings and everything, the this, this work still exists. You know, yes. the work doesn't go away. The the you know proletariat does not become the bourgeoisie, and then there's just no <laughs> proletariat, right? There's no more proletariat. Yeah, oh, and then it's all gone. Classes. Yeah, right. Yay. So, um, I guess yeah, you're right. so the the retail component is it is it's this weird limbo between yeah. between the two because it, it's not it's not bad but it's not great you know it's just this sort of um, medium between them right? yeah you you have to and it, and it is almost harder than the schlep work the schlep work I think is is you can get into I would the say zone. it's less rewarding than the schlep work hmm. um, schlep work you can point to a thing and say I did that yeah. In a retail position, you can work for eight hours a day and have nothing to show for it. Yeah. Because all you are doing is moving associated values around. Hmm. You are a, a medium of exchange. You're like a, like a postman or a... Or a... Uh, you know, postman's even better because a postman fulfills a service need. The thing is... But a retail person fulfills a service need, right? That's why it's called the service so. industry. Less, the service industry is more, is more, although not exclusively, mm. um, waiters and waitresses and, and okay. wait staff and things like that. Uh, more so. But isn't retail, is a big isn't part retail of that. usually lumped in with the service It probably industry. is. Yeah. Um, which is fair now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But... More so than that, it is, it's neither sexy nor schlep, and ignoring it is the problem. Like, I mean, if we lived in a truly artisanal world, mm -hmm. everyone who made things would be the ones selling them, and you would buy something from the people who made it. Um, now, because we live in, in a flat system with globalization and things like that, that can't be possible to no. be economically feasible. Even the quote-unquote artisans have to buy their leather from somewhere. Yes. They have to buy their brass from somewhere. Yes. They have to buy their tools from somewhere. Somebody they... else is making those things. Yes. Um, separately, they are assemblers, yeah. as all artists are. I mean, I think it's fair to call them artists, but... I mean, unless you're a, like a, what's the word? Blacksmith. If you're a blacksmith... You're working with a single material. But it's the same idea, I yeah. think. I mean, you well, and blacksmiths can make their own tools. They can. That's a, that's a unique situation. Yeah. yeah. We actually used to have one in Grapevine. Really? I think we might still, but because we have a, we have an old timey train station, hmm. but out behind it was a blacksmith, like a guy uh -huh. who pounded metal all day over like hot coals. It was awesome. Like, wow. I mean, it was it was part of like Grapevine's like historical stuff. 
There's a few of those. Like there are sword makers in Texas that but, are making like, actual like medieval. And he wasn't. Sharp. He wasn't like he was, he was just making like horseshoes. Mm-hmm. And he made he made a he made he would take he'd make rings out of horseshoe nails hmm. and so he'd heat them up and bend them and twist them and but you like could put on your the, finger. The blacksmiths back when they were common, <laughs> the blacksmiths were. You know, oh, you're a blacksmith. Yeah, it was not. A, it was not a, a prized Sorry. job. Yeah, <laughs> but it was also it was also respected to a certain amount of sense that you had something that because you made. Because people knew it was hard work. Because you had something you made at the end of the day. You yeah. had you had a thing that existed that had never made been before. Mm-hmm. And now to be fair, I would argue that artisans can do that as well. Um, one of my favorite songs from a musical is called uh, "Look, I Made a Hat," hmm. um, which is about George Salah. The French painter who did Sunday in the Park on La Grande Jette, huh. um, which is a it's a it's that famous giant pointillism piece with all the people, all the people all looking out yeah. at the water. Oof. It's a great piece. But yeah. the, there's a show called Sunday in the Park with George, which is about him. But there's a song in it about like how he, all like all he's done, he's he's made a hat, yeah, out of nothing, but some paint, and and it's it's a it's a very powerful song. Okay. You know, look, I made a hat where there never was a hat. <laughs> um, and so I think artisans can do that. Not artisans, artists. Artists. That's an important distinction. But I think artists artisan. can do that. Artisans are assemblers. Okay. That's the point I was getting to. I don't know. I mean, the artist took... I don't know. We're, we're getting into kind of a divergence discussion, but the, the artist took paint and they took a canvas and they assembled it together in a certain way that, that took a form and mm, But assembly is different it, in that assembly has instructions um assembly has to a an cor- extent em- assembly has a correct way and an incorrect way uh if i know, assemble some shoes wrong they're not shoes yeah but you can assemble shoes as, there's a variety there's, of ways within, yeah, there's a plurality of ways it's a bounded but system there are things yeah. that i can do that are like there are things that you can do with paint that have never been done before and they are still a painting yeah, I mean, I, I think that to a certain extent you can... Jackson Pollock. You can style... Andy Warhol. You, yeah, but you, um, can, you can style shoes or you can style bags in a certain way that it's never quite been done exactly But they have like a that. function that exists mm-hmm. in the way that art doesn't have to have a function. Mm. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's... That's that, why we that have two different is, words for them. That's why we have artisan and artist. That's what, <laughs> so the function is the distinction there. No, I'll, I'll grant you that. That's for, that's for sure. I, I guess my, my worry is... That for, there are many, many conclusions in this article by Ben Cott. You know, he, I, I highly encourage everyone to read it because there's no way we could cover. We'd have to yeah. read the whole thing to cover everything in it. And, and the the argument is, I think, well done. I think he he gets somewhere that that's a good place to think about. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that that we get to in there is, you know, there there will be schlep work always. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is we think that technology has the ability to eliminate that maybe, but his his big argument is no computers and, and technology in general can scale certain processes mm-hmm. but there will always be processes that computers cannot scale plumbing plumbing yeah i mean you may eventually create robots that can do it but you know there's there's a certain amount of experience that even even plumbers have to have you know, the, you know, well, yeah, even, I think that, that's as thing, quote unquote simple as the job is, you know, a plumber that's been doing it for 15 years is way more reliable than a plumber that's been doing it for three. Or just out know, of plumbing school. Or just out of plumbing school, you know, because they've seen all the crazy different scenarios that can happen. Yeah. You know, working in the, in the Genius Bar, um, that 
That is exactly the case. I can talk about this now that I've left the company, right? Um, the, generally, well, the, the work um, involved processes that you, you just get experience with. You see a certain number of cases after a while, and, and nobody could have trained me. Nobody could have sat me down and talked me through the thousand different variations of problems that I might see. And yet, as a result of just going through them, of just slogging through them, and mm -hmm. it's a tough, hard, long, you know, un unsatisfactory, um, you know, unsung process, you just get that experience to where you can do things after that amount of time that no one coming right out of it can do. Yeah. And, and that's, that is maybe the mark of schlep work, is, is a weird sort of experience comes into play mm -hmm. that just happens after quantity. You just have to get through it far enough. Yeah, um, you know, and you see this from anyone that does a, a very repetitive kind of task. Mm -hmm. um, it is that, that kind of zen, and, and at some point you gotta. I mean, maybe you either look for fulfillment elsewhere because there's there's a social fulfillment in the sexy jobs yeah. that's missing from the the schlep jobs. Sure, and you learn maybe to to mix and match your your work that you do. Maybe you have a schlep job, but on the side you have a sexy hobby, mm -hmm. and you can you and people will do this. They'll sort of like, oh, sure. well, what do you do? And you talk about the sexy thing doesn't yeah. make you money, but <laughs> my day job X. Yeah. But really, I'm a Y or whatever. Uh -huh. And um, what I'm finding is, you know, it's less it's less obvious when you first look at it. But many of these quote unquote artisans that you see out there that are doing the conspicuous production, they have day jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They won't really let you know that they have day jobs. They'd like to be known for the sexy stuff. Yeah. But the sexy stuff isn't what's keeping the the um, keeping, keeping the bills paid. Keeping the bills paid, right? Um, and that's, I think it wouldn't take a whole lot of four pairs of uh, four hundred dollars shoes. But yeah, exactly. Um, and that that's the thing. I, you know, work in general is uh, it's just a fascinating subject to me. Yeah, and uh, it, it's <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what the schlep jobs. Did you ever read um, Days of War, Nights of Love? Mm -mm. You can find it on the internet because um, it's it's a book that is like does not have a copyright and they actually encourage you to plagiarize it. Cool, um, which is kind of cool. Um, but it's where I first discovered gift economy and things like mm. that. Um, mm. But it's got some interesting things in it. So put it on a list somewhere. It's not my favorite, but it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you remember when the columnist got fired from Texas Tech's paper for plagiarism. Uh, yes. Um, That's the book he plagiarized. Okay. Um, <laughs> intentionally. Now, they didn't know he plagiarized They thought he plagiarized it from somebody else's blog who also plagiarized it from the same book because they encourage you to not just quote it but to actually plagiarize it and to spread its ideas and copy things verbatim as if they were your own. Huh. Like the book encourages you to do that. Well, yeah. And, and regardless of whether it's just sort of like, hey, you know, steal this movie, um, you can... But they don't want you to steal that movie. I don't think so. Well... Maybe they do. Really? I don't know. I've, never, I've not seen it. Okay. Um, I know, I know... Same idea. Yeah. It's like, even if someone says, hey, stab me, you know, if you stab a person, <laughs> you've still committed a crime. Yes. You know, that, that's the thing. Is the fact that they gave you permission to commit the crime doesn't nullify the fact that you still did it. Although, does it? I... No, according to the law, no. Okay. And that's why he was fired. It's because well, I'm, not, I'm not arguing you know? <laughs> him being fired. I'm saying it's right. silly. According to some laws. But yes, no, yes. I agree. And, and uh, you, know, you know, I'm a uh, consequentialist slash, you know, whatever the opposite of uh, the... Uh, there's two kinds of law, right? There's the law that says 
Um, there's some higher ideal yeah. to which do the this law because conforms. it's right, or this is right because we tell you to do it. Exactly. Yeah. The, so I'm on the side of this is right because we tell you to do it. Yeah. And that's the only right or wrong that happens out of it because it acknowledges the social construction and all these other things. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yes. Like, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a version of that that says, no, I gave you permission to do this thing. Therefore, this is nullified, but the law disagrees. Yes. You know, and, right. Um, so how did we get on this? <laughs> I don't know. Plagiarism, was... the book about oh the the and, yeah. gift economy. We were talking about it now, like just. Right. I think a lot of these sorts of things, the artisanal, the conspicuous consumption, the conspicuous production, mm -hmm. schlep versus sexy. All of these, I think, have come out of where capitalism has ended up in the last few day, few yeah. decades. Well, and I appreciate articles like this that mm -hmm. are going. You know, wait a minute. This is odd, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this may not be the thing that we think it is. Those are always nice because they, they do. They get us talking about it and questioning these things. Mm -hmm. You know, th there is. I have to say, I'm, I'm in it. I'm, I'm literally in it right now. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to be pushing this product that is, is glorifying these people. I mean, really, that, that's the thing. Is we're celebrating these, these makers yeah. for, the, for being different from the, the norm. Um, many of them are, are leather makers that have been around for 30 years before this, this sexy artisanal stuff. Some of them are very young guys that are making handkerchiefs yeah. you know, <laughs> with really, really well photographed handkerchiefs. You know, and and the, the perception of quality becomes, you know, a real, it's a real interesting study. It's like, yeah. you, you can tell the difference between these guys that have a website that, that is 13 years old, you know, and made out of HTML. <laughs> and it's got and, six pictures of stuff they've made and that's it. Yeah, and, blinking, and a phone number. Yeah, blinking GIFs and yeah, yeah all this stuff. GIFs. <laughs> We're not having that argument. That's okay, I'm right. We're not. Um, and, and, and then the guys who are on like GIF Squarespace and have a, have a Facebook page and all this. And yes. it's like, you know, when you... I think it'll be very fun once we get to the, the actual process of, you know, going and visiting these people and looking at the actual products mm -hmm. and to see the difference between, you know, the performance of the production and the actual production itself and and how we, we sort of distinguish between yeah. those. And, you know, there's a lot of taxonomic um, it is It is a very performative act on both sides. The, so, the so production as performance may be an interesting, I think that warrants it, uh, yeah. additional study. Um, I'm sure someone's studying it. Yeah, but in the meantime, um, we encourage you to read the article. That, like yeah. I said, there are many other conclusions. The argument is much more developed. If you've been listening to the episode, you've probably been thinking, well, there's this very clear thing that, that sinks the entire argument. I guarantee you, uh, Venkat has probably thought of it. What are you talking about? I, I don't know. Like, Oh, okay, you're saying theoretically. Theoretically. There are yeah. these, yeah, you may have some ideas about what's wrong with the argument. Yeah. He's, he's got it really well structured, not saying it's perfect, but it may be... Well, it's blatantly missing retail, so... <laughs> it's blatantly missing retail. I don't know. I, I, I reached out to Venkat, didn't respond. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, he's, he's got bigger and better things to, to talk about, I'm sure. But, yeah. um, you know, we appreciate that he put this little bit of stuff out in the world, got us thinking, and mm -hmm. uh, hopefully got you thinking as well about that uh, $300 artisanal coffee mug that's sitting in your shelf along with the three dollar one that you bought from walmart not that anybody i have <laughs> we actually have a cabinet full of 10 cent glasses and they are the <laughs> best glasses we own right um we we bought them at kroger in oxford ohio like this is before amy and i were even living together mm. um we were grocery shopping together which tells you something but Aww. um <laughs> But we turned the aisle and there's an end cap with these all of these glasses, like wine glasses and tall glasses and short glasses, and it said 10 cents. 
And we're like, what? What? We got to yeah. buy some of these. And so we bought some. But we bought, you know, I bought a few. Amy bought a few. We didn't buy a full set because we weren't thinking about it. But we should have bought like 30 of them. Which makes you wonder, like, and what, did, what did Kroger buy them for? I don't know, but they're sturdy <laughs> glasses. Like, they are, like, I think they were trying to get rid of them is what it was. Oh, yeah. Because it's funny enough, we saw a restaurant that opened about a month or two later. Using some of those? Using those same glasses. Like, <laughs> hey, we have those wine glasses. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. It's like, it was one of those, like, hmm. I know what that glass costs. But you yeah. will never find a 10-cent glass again in your life. And I wish oh, we had I more of them. Because yeah. like, they're, they're, like, sturdy. Like, mm -hmm. we've had other glasses break. Like, I've even had, I owned, for reasons, um, <laughs> there, there are wine glasses that are supposed to be Shatterproof for very, very, very sure. You can tap them on the table, go ting, ting, ting. And it just doesn't. Nothing. Yeah. I broke one. Uh -huh. I still have the wine glasses we bought for 10 cents in perfect working order. Wow. <laughs> hey, are they crystal or actually glass? They're glass. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. They're, um, they're heavy. Huh. Like they're beer bottle heavy. Like they've got some heft to them. Okay. Compared to some wine. of the thinner glasses that we have. Well, y'all, uh, best of luck. Hope you find some 10 cent glasses out there. Snatch them Don't up. They may be the best ever. Yeah. Um, well, we thank you all for listening. I definitely encourage you all to put some questions on formspring.me slash badphilosophy. We've got a few that are hanging out there, so if you've asked... Is um, Formspring back? It's Formspring is back. It got bought by somebody Okay. right as it was in its death throes. So it's been resuscitated. Our stuff is still there, and you can still ask us questions. Yay. So we'll maybe do that for the next episode. Yeah. And, uh, just do a short one, catching up with you people. Kevin is online at twitter.com slash kevsund, K-U-V-S-A-U-N-D. I am online at s-torrence, S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C. And uh, the dog that just barked is online at twitter.com, actually reddit.com slash r slash puppies. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Also, um, huh? where was I going to get that? Oh, we've also both joined This Is My Jam recently. We have. So, if you want to uh, see what our jams are, yeah, get you on can, this. I mean, mine, are, mine are linked to both my Facebook and Twitter accounts. If you follow those, you'll eventually see it. Yeah, I'm on, um, I'm on uh, This Is My Jam slash Stephen T, though. I'm sure I'm at Kevsond. Yeah. And I do blog occasionally yeah. at uh, stephent.me, uh, otherwise known as Stephen Time. Stephen Time! What time is it? It's, it's Stephen time. time! And it's also time for us to go. <laughs> so we'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. I'm steaming up the inside of my Marty Beller mask Cause I'm really Whitney Houston on the drums Remind me to tell you a joke about that after the show. Um, we're we're now. Me, you can't tell me during the show. We're now in the I show. Mean, we're, the show has happened. You you've always wanted me to just to just start it and and then introduce. Oh, I'm pretty it. sure you'll start when I said, is, "Are we recording?" Like that's like that's the moment to start. Okay. Playing. So are we starting now? Well, we've already started. When we I was did talking about Grant Morrison. Yeah. So the starting happened. Right. I'm just in my mind. That's in my mind canon, which is a term I've used a lot lately because it amuses me. Right. Um, instead of mind just saying canon. the way I think things should be, I say in my mind canon, <laughs> which is okay. just so nerdy. Mm. But in my mind canon, like mm -hmm. the the recording starts when I asked, like, are we recording? Right. Because um, that makes the most sense. It does. That's when I got back into the drums. Marty was convenient, a vessel for my dream. I knew exactly how to fill his shoes. Do you really want to make mayonnaise now? I do. I don't even like mayonnaise, but... Did you, what's the best recipe you found? Uh, well, I, I always default to the Alton Brown recipes. Mm. Because good, good Eats is my, is my cooking. <laughs> 
guide. <laughs> I don't. I don't know I, what I was gonna say. I want to know what the other one. Was. I don't know what it was either. <laughs> I know what it sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I think you'll have to bleep it if you uh, put it in the show. <laughs> I don't. I'm done bleeping things. <laughs> Fuck it. We're an explicit <laughs> show now. I am steaming up the inside of my Marty Beller mask. I'm really Whitney Houston on the drums Look again, this isn't Marty on the drums I am really Whitney Houston